Today on Ag News Daily. You know, this particular one, um, you know, what's been very notable is the how seismic the the electricity uh, shutdown has been, the damage to the, the whole delivery system. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hashtag Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by AgriDigital. Although, Ashton, I got to admit, we're not doing a Tech Tuesday today, as I mentioned on the podcast yesterday. We're going to be focusing on Hurricane Ida. I just chatted yesterday with Mike Steenhook of the Soybean Transportation Coalition, and we've got to continue to cover that story. It's got to take precedent right now, but uh, we still will talk technology, I'm sure, in our news for today. Ashton, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Delaney, of course, have still been watching out on the Hurricane Ida aftermath, and I'm excited to share your conversation that you had with Mike later on. But when it comes to assessing the damage that was created from Hurricane Ida, I mean, it just hit land on Sunday. It's only Tuesday. So, of course, we don't really have a whole lot of information right now. Um, But Senator Chuck Grassley kind of compared it to Hurricane Katrina, which happened about 16 years ago. And he said that it affected agriculture for a while. He didn't remember the length of time it took for things to kind of get up and running when it came to the ag industry. Um, But I'm going to assume that it's, of course, going to take a while. I think I I heard yesterday that New Orleans might be shut down um, for a whole month while they assess damage and, you know, help survivors and kind of get back up on their feet. But in terms of agriculture, I think it could probably go a little bit longer and not just talking about, of course, the Mississippi River and the, the shutdown that happened there. So not barge traffic, but also crop damage. So I'm anxious to see when that information will begin to roll out. Yeah, I think we're going to start to see that all trickle out here. We definitely saw the markets even yet again today sell off. Still just concerned about the overall shutdown of grain shipments being able to be shipped through the Port of New Orleans because that is still shut down in Ashton. That accounts for about 50% of all U.S. grain has to get sent through that port. So there's just a lot of uncertainty right now as we continue to watch uh, the aftermath of this. There certainly is Delaney, but I want to go ahead and get into our news for today. What do you have for us? Do you have anything else concerning Hurricane Ida? Should we go ahead and get that out of the way? Well, I think other than what we've chatted about, I really don't have anything else to share as far as new updates for Hurricane Ida. Other than local authorities are working to get electrical power back up to all of the regions that have been hit, and that could take a couple of days. So I'm anticipating that we're not really going to see any sort of export river reopening until we do see power restored to those areas. So sounds like we're still at least a couple of days, if not maybe a week away from seeing that happen, Ashton. Um, But otherwise, as far as other news for today, I wanted to share yesterday's crop progress report. And we're not taking into account the damage that's going on down there. Of course, that mostly will impact cotton country, but... As of Monday's report, corn and soybean ratings were left neutral. U.S. corn ratings were left unchanged at 60% in good to excellent conditions and soybeans at 
56% good to excellent week over week. So we didn't see any big moves there. Cotton conditions, however, were, were reduced by just a percentage point at now 70% in good to excellent condition. And spring wheat harvest showed 88% completed. So not a big market mover there on yesterday's crop progress report, Ashton. Well, Delaney, I want to move things over to the courts as a federal judge in Arizona has vacated former President Trump's navigable waters protection rule because it would do, quote, serious environmental harm in the southwest United States. The American Farm Bureau says that they're extremely disappointed by the ruling and it casts uncertainty for producers who've made progress in managing water and natural resources. The plaintiffs in this case, who include several tribes from across the U.S., says the outcome allows the Biden administration time to develop a new rule. Just last month, a South Carolina federal judge granted EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers time to reconsider the rule without canceling it. There's not much detail in you know, this article that I had been reading or anything, but I think that this is just the latest coming from the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. I think there's been quite a, a bit of conversation within the past couple of weeks when it comes to water rules and all those kinds of things. So I thought that this was pretty timely to share with our audience. Yeah, and definitely a little bit frustrating that they are likely going to replace that ruling. It's not set in stone yet, but as you're saying there, Ashton, it's likely to happen. And that was, you know, at the the point in time when it got put into place, that was considered a big, big win for agriculture. And so that is going to, depending on what they put back into place, could impact, you know, little things as small as ponds and puddles. So it, it hopefully doesn't have a, a drastic impact for agriculture, but it most certainly could. Well, Delaney, like we talked about before we started recording here, don't have a whole lot of news for today, but this next and final piece that I have to talk about today is coming out of Argentina as their government extended beef export restrictions until the end of October, seeking to bolster domestic supply to help contain rising local food prices, according to a decree published in their official gazette. This move comes three months before key midterm elections. So I think that this is a little bit of a political move, possibly. Of course, I, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge when it comes to Argentinian politics or anything like that. But the government had in June limited exports of some specific beef cuts until the end of the year and set a cap on beef shipments at 50% of the previous year's level until the end of August. The latter cap has now been extended by two months. So I, I'm not sure what to make of this, Delaney. I guess I'm not either yet, Ashton, but uh, I'm sure we'll keep an eye on it. So we'll have a little bit more insight there. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention here is, sorry, I'm taking us back to Hurricane Ida for a second because that just got me thinking, Ashton, about the other big piece of this we really haven't touched on yet that we definitely need to consider is this part of the country down in the Gulf is also a big oil producing area for the country. And 
I don't know if I shared it on the podcast last week, but we're already seeing tight supplies when it comes to gasoline, crude oil, ethanol, etc. And so it is expected that gasoline supplies are expected to tighten in the days and weeks ahead and that we could, of course, see that trickle down to the pump. So be prepared to pay a higher price at the gas station. And while we're on the topic of gas, the EPA has issued that they want a second look at some of the 2019 decisions to grant 31 small refinery exemption to the renewable fuel standard for 2018. Now, this comes, of course, as we know that they've been sitting on an announcement or an intended announcement of what they are anticipated to do under the Biden administration with these small refinery waivers. And so now it appears that they're wanting to take a second look. It appears that they are going to use those to help make this next round of decisions. But they also could ask the U.S. Court of Appeals to send the Trump decision back to the agency for review, meaning they could reverse what the Trump administration did altogether. So it kind of just muddied the waters a little bit more when it comes to these small refinery exemption waivers, Ashton. Yeah, Delaney, you mentioned, you know, paying more at the gas pump, and I'm already not in favor of the uh, price of gas right now, and then going down to Austin this weekend for my sister's bachelorette party, so we're a little concerned on gas prices and spending that much money traveling down there, but uh, I guess it's just all part of it. Yep, absolutely, Ashton. And I think other than markets for today, the only other thing I was going to mention is we may be dropping off a few listeners this week as folks are heading to the Farm Progress Show indicator. And if you are, hopefully you're tuning into Ag News Daily as you're on your drive there today. But Ashton, what do you say we go ahead and hop into the markets for today? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned, we saw another little bit of a slide here in the grain market. Markets. We do officially enter into first notice state tomorrow, but we are continuing to feel the pinch down as our ports are still remaining to be closed. December corn today down seven and three quarter cents to close at 535. The November down 10 cents to close at 1293 and a quarter. In the wheat pits today, the Chicago December contract up just a half a cent to close at 7.24 on the nose. In the livestock markets, we saw red across the screen as the October live cattle contract down a dollar forty-two and a half to close at 126.90. The Dece down a dollar twenty to close at 133.47 and a half. And in feeder cattle pits today, the October contract shed a dollar twenty to close at 167.75. The November down 87 and a half cents to close. At 169.65. Lean hogs also continued their, their backward slide today as the October contract gave up $1.35 to close at 88.80. The Dece shedding 77.5 cents to close at 81.95. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. October 24 cents higher on the day to close at 16.90. Now, Ashton, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, we are not doing a Tech Tuesday today. Day, although we are still sponsored by AgriDigital for today's Tech Tuesday themed episode. Instead, today we are making moves to talk about the damage Hurricane Ida could cause for the transportation industry. Have you ever lost a load of grain being hauled into the elevator or sat down to do book work and thought, hmm, I thought I had a scale ticket for that somewhere? 
Tracking grain just got easier with WayPath by AgriDigital. The WayPath desktop and mobile app links your contracts, deliveries, storage, and scale tickets all in one place, so you'll never miss a load hauled again. Simplify your grain management from field to payment with WayPath. Visit us.waypath.io to learn more and start your free trial today. Well, as we continue to touch on the aftermath here of Hurricane Ida, this storm really swept through quickly, as uh, we'll hear here from Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, in just a moment. But Mike, I want to start out here, as we were mentioning, you were mentioning here before we started recording, this storm, this hurricane just kind of came out of nowhere. And sometimes that's kind of how they materialize, you know, particularly the Gulf um, of Mexico hurricanes where, you know, all of a sudden it will just percolate, um, you know, in the southern part of the Gulf of Mexico. And then uh, it, it as it approaches landfall, it hits some warm water that is just off the coast of the United States. And it and then it just becomes all the more agitated rapidly accelerating from, you know, in this case, a, a category one, category two to a, a very strong category four storm. And so that that obviously provides less opportunity for advanced preparation uh, for evacuation. That's been part of the problem uh, for this particular storm. So uh, obviously this is a, a major, um, you know, gut punch to the, the, the Gulf region, and it's going to take some time to emerge from it. Absolutely. And so you're, you may or may not be a hurricane expert. I, I buy one for one am not. But uh, you mentioned in an email that you sent out to folks today that this thing started on Sunday night as a category four and then eventually weakened to a category three. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there five categories that are hurricanes are classified in? Yeah, there's there's five hurricane categories. And, you know, uh, you know, with a with a category four storm, it was the Ida was pretty close to getting to a, a category five, and so yeah, obviously the severity of the of, of a hurricane can depend upon things like wind speed, but also how large the storm actually is. And you know, while you know with Hurricane Katrina, there's been a lot of comparison since it it made landfall 16 years ago uh, to the date. Uh, it was a little bit wasn't as strong in terms of wind speed, but it was actually larger in its geographic um, size and displacement. So, um, so yeah, but you know, this particular one, um, you know, what's been very notable is the, how seismic the, the electricity um, shutdown has been the damage to the, the whole delivery system, um, you know, particularly for the city of new Orleans. And so this is, um, this is something that there's going to be a lot of damage assessment and repairs that are going to be taking place throughout this week. And, you know, frankly, well beyond that. Yeah. And we're still kind of at the the beginning of this here, but on August 28th, we saw that the U S coast guard ordered no vessel movement to the lower Mississippi river from the Gulf to Mexico. Gulf of Mexico to the River Mile 303. Mike, has that been lifted yet, or are we still seeing barge traffic stopped? Yeah, we're still seeing um, a, a prohibition on, on vessel transit in that area. 
And so um, we'll see how quickly that gets um, lifted and to what extent we can get back to any kind of operations. So there's, there's just the, the integrity of the shipping channel being very notable, but then something else that we're clearly going to be monitoring is the damage assessment to the facilities themselves, you know, populated throughout that lower Mississippi river kind of starts at Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is river mile 232. New Orleans is mile 100. And then essentially when you get to the Gulf of Mexico, that's river mile zero and populated throughout that area, particularly between New Orleans and Baton Rouge are a a series of, of soybean and grain export facilities. And, and while these facilities were built and they're maintained with, with hurricane storms in mind uh, with kind of an eye toward redundancy and resilience, um, they're designed to and maintain to try to absorb a punch. But, you know, when you're thinking of 150 mile an hour sustained winds, that's a considerable punch. And so we're, we're concerned that, you know, there could be some lingering damage to these facilities. And so, you know, the ability to pop back up from the canvas, it, it really is not just a function of the, 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 the shipping channel itself, uh, the waterway, but also these facilities and, and whether they've sustained any kind of significant and elongated damage. So Mike, in instances like this, where we do see vessels not able to move down to some key ports, what's the likelihood that we see traffic diverted or are shipments of grain or other goods just going to be stopped until further notice? I, I anticipate just a, a holding pattern for the time being. Um, you know, this is not from an ag uh, supply chain perspective. This is not the most acute export window for soybeans. That really s- takes place, you know, starting in September, but really picking up speed in in the fall when our harvest comes online. You know, we do export um, a pretty significant amount of corn throughout the year, including this time of the year. Um, so. I, my anticipation is that we're in the damage assessment phase, trying to ascertain um, when electricity will be restored. And, um, and in the meantime, kind of being in a holding pattern. Um, you know, one of the things that is a, you know, that's kind of notable about, you know, the agricultural supply chain is we do have other options. We can send product to the, to the Pacific Northwest or to the Atlantic coast, things like that. But, but, you know, when you think about how much is actually exported via the Mississippi Gulf region, 61% of soybean exports, 58% of corn exports. So um, there is a strong economical reason and preference to send product via barge down to those export facilities. And so it, it will really require a pretty significant and elongated um, suspension of, of operations in order to see a, a significant shift or diversion of freight to some of these other, you know, some of these other supply chains. And Mike, I think a good final question. I'm guessing you don't have an answer, but maybe you can uh, hypothesize for us. Do you have any indication about when we could expect to see things, at least from a transportation perspective? I know electricity and some of those other things are going to be a long time uh, to get hopefully things back up and running. But as far as transportation goes, getting exports out of the country, 
What do you have as far as a timeline? What are you expecting to see? Yeah, it's 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 really hard. It, it's going to depend upon that that damage assessment. And you know, we we saw last year we had a very active hurricane season in the Gulf of Mexico, but um, many of those storms were more modest in their severity and intensity. And so you saw a pretty quick resumption of operations after the storm passed. This one, Hurricane Ida, is, is different. It's it's clearly stronger than you know what we've seen um, in other years, and so that's going to be the big the big question is what the damage assessment is and what it's what's what it's going to take to recover from it. So uh, obviously, a lot of attention is going to be focused on that throughout the course of this week. Absolutely. And our thoughts and prayers are definitely with those folks that are dealing with this real time right now. But Mike, thank you so much for joining and giving us a quick update here on what's going on down there. Well, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thanks to Mike Steenhook for coming on the podcast to talk about Hurricane Ida and what that might bring for the ag industry. Like we said at the top of the show, Delaney, don't really have a whole lot right now on how long this will take and all of those sorts of things. So we'll definitely keep our audience up to date as that information rolls out. But until then, they can keep listening at agnewsdaily.com or wherever they find their podcasts and stay up to date on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.